Morning Heritage. Today is Tuesday, February 27th, 2024. This is Mr. Neese, and you are listening to The Griffin Rundown, a weekly podcast for HCA. I hope that you're listening together on the way to school this morning, this week. Stay tuned for the end because we're going to do part two of the technology tips for parents with Davies Owens. You'll remember he's the host of Basecamp Live. He's a longtime veteran in, in classical Christian education. We'll also cover some upcoming events at Heritage. I'll give an update about the charter and answer a question. We'll do our segment, A Good Look at a Great Book, with Ms. Sandum, a third grade teacher at the Bainbridge campus. I'll provide a construction update. And of course, we'll have a joke of the week. So upcoming events, the calendar items. Save the date for the spring concerts. Bainbridge K through 8th grade will be held on May 2nd at Parkside. And Peninsula and Northfield K through 10th grade will be held on May 8th at Christ Community Church. This Friday, March 1st, is early dismissal because Heritage is hosting this year's Orators Forum at the Peninsula Campus uh, at 1.30. So all students will be dismissed at 11.30 this Friday, March 1st. Heritage is hiring. Uh, did you Do you know someone who might be a good fit here at Heritage? If so, please direct them to our website to consider employment opportunities. We're so thankful for the community of uh, godly, talented men and women that are here pouring into our children uh, upwards of 35 to 40 hours a week for many of our kids. So um, we take hiring with utmost seriousness and uh, we are praying fervently that the Lord's going to continue to provide godly, talented um, lovers of children here for Heritage. So um, let let folks know if you think they might be a good fit for our community. The construction update. Uh, regarding the remodeling, our general contractor, Independence Construction, has been a great partner up to this point. They have begun uh, removing ceiling tiles in most of the buildings, exposing all the wiring, piping, and, and other uh, hidden infrastructure throughout the buildings. Uh, this will allow them to inspect the current equipment, remove, update, upgrade, replace uh, all sorts of mechanicals as needed. Um, and then all, in addition to that, the Wade Cottage, one of the cottages, the one nearest to the chapel building, is totally gutted right now. Uh, they've This building is going to be remodeled to give us five classrooms in there and an open area for lockers and, and gathering. Um, so the demolition is well underway. They're, they're also, Independence is looking at all the HVAC equipment and the water, electric lighting, etc., so um, very thankful for this progress. Uh, we also continue to work with a, a significant number of subcontractors gaining quotes for future interior design features and desks and chairs and uh, all the things that are coming and flooring. So uh, thank you for your continued support of this and for praying for Heritage. And as I say, praying for Heritage, don't forget, please come to these times to pray for our school Wednesday afternoon at 1230. There's a link that's in the newsletters. It's it's via Zoom. Likewise, Tuesdays at 9 p.m. at night. All the kids are down. This is an opportunity to gather together and, and seek the Lord's help and favor in, in all that's going on in our school and to, and to plead for the Lord's saving work in our children and, and how Heritage is a part of that. The hymn this week is Take My Life and Let It Be. So if you would, I encourage you to find an online version and 
sing the lyrics with your children. I was with a family even very recently, and they were sharing about how um, their daughter comes home singing hymns. And they said, we know this is from heritage and we're very thankful for it. Um, rich theology in so many of the old hymns. Chartering update. Want to answer two questions that are combined here. So first question is, how do we pay tuition if we have not received or know the value of the Ed Choice Award? So all families will still be required to set up a fax payment plan, just like you, you do every year. So uh, that'll still continue for uh, next school year, 24, 25, and beyond. Um, and families will be responsible for any account balances that are not covered by the scholarships, uh, including Ed Choice programs. I think that makes sense to everybody. And then the uh, uh, adjoining question then, what happens if I overpay my tuition after receiving the scholarship amount? So when, when Heritage is notified of the award amount, it will be applied to the fax account. And so if a family has a credit balance, uh, once the award has been applied to their fax account, then we'll reconcile any um, payments that have been overpaid and uh, we'll, we'll obviously make that right with the family. So um, that's how it's, it's going to go about. We'll still have to set up payment plans uh, as I think uh, everyone anticipated. And then we'll work with you as the payments come in from the state for your children. If you have continued questions about the charter, I, I highly recommend that you would send them to me. Happy to deal with them and, and answer them as, as we're able to. And, and so thankful for your grace and, and patience with us as we continue to wait for the next step from the state. There's a lot of background work that we're still doing to be prepared, but um, we're also at a spot where the state is not waiting for anything from us right now. We're waiting on them to come and do their next part. So uh, would just again, encourage your, your prayer um, that this will uh, continue to be done on time. I still have no doubts about that. Everything we're hearing from the state is, is positive. And so uh, looking forward to all the benefits of uh, having the charter for our families. Well, now it's time for our newer segment called A Good Look at a Great Book. And I'm happy to welcome into the studio Ms. Sandum, who is a third grade teacher at the Bainbridge campus. I, I believe this is her third year at the school. And I'm so thankful for Mrs. Santa because she does such a wonderful job of creating and cultivating a classroom that is characterized by joy. So let's welcome Ms. Sandum to the Griffin Rundown. All right. Well, now it's time for our segment, A Good Look at a Great Book. And in the studio with me today is our wonderful third grade teacher at the Bainbridge campus, Miss Sandum. <laughs> <laughs> and she is excited to be here with me. Miss Sandum, thanks for making the time to join the Griffin Rundown today. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah. Very, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very happy that you're here. So A Good Look at a Great Book. What's the book that we get to talk about today briefly, but something that the third graders are reading? Uh, we are currently about to finish The Moffats by Eleanor Estes. The Moffats by Eleanor Estes. Okay, this is good because I'm not sure that I've read this one. Maybe oh, in third no! Grade. I know. Oh, it's it is a fantastic. Okay, well, good. So let's just start there. You say it's a fantastic work. What about this is worthy of being included in the curriculum at Heritage? Uh, it is an episodic book, so every chapter is exciting. Every chapter, there's a family of four children who get into scrapes. And it is through their um, 
good humor and persistence that they make it to the other side of them. Uh, and it is appropriate for third grade because some of the scrapes involve um, dancing with a dog on a stage, uh, but then also appropriate for classical education and Christian classical education because there are some true hardships mm. that the kids go through. It, uh, said about 1910s. Okay. Um, and I get to explain to kids what um, what it's like to live without central heating. And so you had to provide your heating through coal. And what would it be like if you couldn't afford coal? Mm. And in one of the chapters, two of the kids lose the money on the way to get coal that okay. would have bought them their heat. So then a chapter is both um, b both entertaining and what do we do in the face of that adversity? And eventually they find the money. They double, they um, went back in their tracks to find it. And of course it was like on their mantle, you know, <laughs> of course. usually where yeah. we would find it. They don't have a <laughs> yeah. rich refrigerator, so it couldn't be in their refrigerator. Yeah. Um, but a really cool thing to show kids, bad things can still happen mm. to kids. Mm. And we, you can get through them. Yeah. And with some humor and with, and with some humor and, mm -hmm. and seeing levity in it. And, you know, we talk about all the time, Ms. Sandum, that, you know, part of literature, a, a, a big part of our instruction in literature at heritage and at a classical Christian school is um, not just um, to learn motifs and themes and, and structure and form of literature, which is good. And, and they do mm -hmm. learn those things, but we also emphasize heavily virtue and character and mm -hmm. um, understanding all the good things that we can see in these characters and how we see those in ourselves and the bad things that we see in the characters and how we can see those in ourselves. Have you had any of those good discussions through this particular work, the Moffats, with your students and, and just pointing to virtue or vice in the kids, in, in the characters? There, we are just getting through a chapter which is, has the most ridiculous setup. It is two trolley men who cannot agree and are nose to nose on a one-way track. And we're talking mm. through how uh, adults can have um, conflict just like children and how do we resolve this? Mm -hmm. And it, they were able to talk through some, some from home conversations about conflict they've had with siblings, usually something like that. And then you know, it's sometimes reflected outside of the classroom. So if we have conflict at recess, we can talk through, remember that chapter? Mm -hmm. And so, yes, they um, are able to see a vice-like anger and talk through it. That's right. Yeah, that's really, that was actually the first, you know, it's really easy to see other people's faults. So, of course, I was happy mm -hmm. you talked about adults in the home because that's me. Yeah. But my, <laughs> my first thought was actually what you said about recess. Boy, Talk about an easy thing to bring mm -hmm. up when the kids come in from recess and they might be a little bit hot under the collar when yep. when Billy took his ball and, and walked home because they couldn't agree. Yeah. They couldn't agree, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's really good. Anything else in the Moffats, Ms. Sandum, that any other discussions that have come out of it that, or good insights that the kids had? Uh, well, actually, she, Eleanor Estes, was a very prolific writer. Uh, and so one of the coolest things is that I can get to the end of the book, which is always disappointing, which is a good disappointment and say, you can continue to read. And I give the kids all of these uh, things that she has written, including about the Moffats. There are many more books and mm -hmm. they just keep, they just keep reading. They want to read. It is it's good. A, a beautiful habit we want to inculcate in them. Mm -hmm. That is, and I'm glad you shared that because that is also another 
distinctive of many classical schools, including Heritage, that um, they have a full period for composition, for writing and mechanics, and the, and the full period also for literature, so that um, they can actually finish whole works instead mm -hmm. of just excerpts, so that they see the the value and and the good of reading a whole work and learn to love literature in that. So mm -hmm. I'm I'm so glad that you're going through whole works so kids yeah. can love literature. Yeah, and they do, and they do. And we have two more books to get through, Charlotte's Web. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about a horrifically horrible theme <laughs> of death. Um, and then also our last book is Terza, which yes. is about the exodus and a girl's uh, young girl's experience through the exodus. So we're not going to stop good. learning heavy things, it's even good. in third grade. Yeah, I love it. Well, Ms. Sandum, thank you so much for your work with these third graders. I know you're doing a great job. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah thank you for you. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. All right, Ms. Sandum, have a great day. Well, and now it's time for your favorite segment and mine. It's the joke of the week. I have with me here today a super funny junior kindergarten student named Will, and he's in Mrs. Guastella's class, right? Uh huh. At the Bainbridge campus. And Will, do you want to say hi to everybody? Hi. Hi. All right, Will. Will you tell us your very very funny joke? What has teeth but doesn't eat? What has teeth but doesn't eat? I don't know. A comb. A comb. <laughs> You're right. A comb doesn't eat. Hey, where'd you learn that one? From my grandma. From your grandma? Your grandma sounds like she's a pretty funny lady. Yeah. Hey, Will, will you tell me what's your favorite part about junior kindergarten? Learning. All, all the learning. Hey, what um, what's something you're learning in junior kindergarten these days? All letters. Your letters? Nice. And how to write them too? Mm -hmm. That's super good. Well, I'm really glad that you're here in Mrs. Guastella's class, buddy. Yeah, good job today, okay? That was a funny joke. Well, it's kind of a riddle. It is a little bit of a riddle, too. <laughs> you're right, it's more of a riddle. Hey, I'm learning things today, too. All right, Will, have a great day, okay, buddy? Mm-hmm. Okay, bye-bye. Well, and as I said at the top of the podcast, very happy to welcome back uh, Davies Owens into the studio for the second half of our interview entitled Technology Tips for Parents. And again, as I've said, Davies Owens is um, a longtime uh, member of, the, of classical Christian education. He was the head of school at a few different classical Christian schools, one in Atlanta and uh, outside of Atlanta and one in Idaho. And he was a head of school for about 20 years. Um, he was the executive director of the Society for Classical Learning, which is one of the major national bodies, um, organizations of classical Christian schools, of which Heritage is a member. And, and now he's given his time over to Basecamp Live, which is another podcast that I highly recommend to you. It is all about classical Christian education and parents and, and our role in it and raising our children. So um, when you're done with this one, you should look up Basecamp Live and go and listen to Davies and all that he's got going on his podcast. But here we are uh, with the second part of my interview with Davies Owens on technology tips for parents. Well, hey, I, I was going to ask this and, and you gave the Andy Crouch. Any other 
um, books that would be good for parents, educators to be reading or document. I even think of the social dilemma as a documentary mm -hmm. that was helpful for, you know, my teen daughter, just as, you know, she's getting that. It wasn't even a problem, but I wanted her to be aware of uh, what's going on with social media. Any other works that you would point parents to? I mean, I would, in terms of, you know, well, uh, let me answer one thing that comes to mind right when you ask that. I mean, because I've mentioned a number of, there's so many books and so many just general resources sort of looking at the, you know, the neuroscience behind the impact it's having on our brains and our thinking. I mean, you kind of come at it that way. I know um, Keith McCurdy, one thing Keith does, which I think is brilliant, is he'll, um, when he's out with schools, he'll just take middle high schoolers and put them in a room and put on the board. And this is a conversation I think we could have you know, it could be done in different settings, but we'll say, Hey, let's talk for a little bit about what's great about the smartphone. And this is mm -hmm. middle school, high schoolers. Of course they're thinking, okay, there's this middle-aged bald haired man who's here to tell me how bad my phone is. And mm -hmm. so he will say, no, tell me everything's great about it. And they'll write all the things that are great. And then I'll say, okay, but now tell me things you know are not so great about it. And then they'll list another list. Well, the so great list is about 12 things. The not so great list is about 40 things. And they will self-admit, you know what, we're just not living, uh, a life that we want to be living. We're, we're living in a constant sense of, you know, am I accepted and that whole pressure and anxiety levels that are rising around. Mm -hmm. And and so what's interesting, if you go look out there, there are a number of folks that are actually in the secular world that are saying in a lot of, you see this in the kind of 20 somethings today. If you look at like the, the Luddite club, which I think is fascinating. It's a bunch of 20 somethings who have said, we are tired of this. Like we actually want to live. These aren't even believers. And I've thought, why aren't we leading that kind of counter-revolution as classical Christian educators? You know, and I think part of the answer is why are we not banding together starting in early grammar stages as families, as community, and say, you know what, we want the good life. So we're going to agree that we're not going to give our kids a smartphone until probably later high school. And even then we ought to talk about an onboarding process. And in the meanwhile, we're just going to be screen free as much as we can be. We do realize like the dad needs to pick his daughter up from ballet. We need some technology and there's products like the light phone that I'm a big fan of L I G H D mm -hmm. phone. It's basically just a simple, simple, you know, it, it rings and you can text <laughs> on it and you can listen to podcasts too, but you can't cruise around on social media. And so you can practically do the things you need to do to get through life. So I think that there's a lot of content that, uh, you know, again, you can look to, and there's a lot of examples of some best practices. There's the Postman Pledge based on Neil Postman mm -hmm. that a number of schools are starting to read together and sign together. So to me, the best thing is to leverage the community and get families together and say, like, let's don't ever, let's don't get to that situation where, you know, it's the two can, you know, more conservative families that are saying, no, we're going to do the light phone option. And then every other family in fifth grade's given in and you know why well, let's not do that Let, we know this is coming let's get ahead of it and let's no, really, preemptively decide what we're going to do that's really good yeah I, I mean we have some friends that you know are other schools and uh they're already just saying boy my my middle schooler feels like he can't even be he can't have friends unless he has a smartphone right now right oh yeah as a sixth or seventh grader like I, i'm out socially if i don't get this right now and, and, and again, it's, it's easy to go, well, then just don't have it, you know, but it, it is really hard when that's the currency that's being traded. I mean, we all know that's as humans, we want to be accepted and we want to belong and we want to be in community. And if you are in an inner city gang and, 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 you know, involvement means doing whatever crime thing is required, you're going to do it because it matters that much. Or if you're in a 
you know, in a classical Christian school and all the other kids are on a phone, you're going to do whatever it's going to take to be accepted and to be in the norm. I mean, it's so again, change the game. Let's let's, I'd love to see a day when house leaders and upper school and high schools and middle schools and high schools are boldly kind of doing the postman pledge and saying, it's not because we're a bunch of, you know, weirdos. I mean, maybe people see us that way, but we're the, actually the kids that can go out and, you know, and have <laughs> go outside and do creative things or do something that's truly creative and fun. And we laugh and we have fellowship and it's like, that's, that's what should, should be. We should be envied because of that. Not, not made fun of. So I think we can flip the whole thing upside down if we can get ahead of it. Yeah, that's good. Um, well, Hey, let's, let's turn it back now and point it at the school here. Let's point it at heritage. Um, yeah, hey, we, we do live in a technological world and we want our kids to be prepared for whatever's next, right. After, after they leave here at age 18. And, um, so how, what advice would you give to me, to the leaders of the school as, as we consider, yeah. you know, well, I always tell you, don't know this, but you know, we do typing for sixth graders and then, the ninth graders have a ninth and up have a Chromebook, but the texts aren't on it, right? It's mm-hmm. teacher yeah. directed. So we are just as a school, we're low tech on purpose, but not anti-tech. So what would you what would you say to Heritage as we consider? Yeah. And as you were saying, we don't have cell phones in the classroom. Kids can't have them out. So boy, we ought to be offering more. You got to dial it back. What would you? You know, in decades well, of experience, what what would you say to me, you know, here in front of all the parents that are listening? Yeah, so a couple great question. I mean, I would start. So let me start with thinking about the idea that, you know, I would begin with if there's a policy that you're not going to have the phones in school and it's just sort of a static policy written down in some handbook somewhere. I would probably guess that there are a lot of students that are actually checking their phones between class periods because they're in their lockers and that kind of thing. So, I mean, I think I think you know, on the one hand, let's be sober and real about what you really are expecting. Um, you know, or are they on their smart watches or what does that really look like? But more importantly to the comment I was just making, I think that we want to invite our students, especially as they get into those upper grades into some really thoughtful conversations about what kind of a culture are we creating? Ultimately, what is this education really about? And do you want to be someone who flourishes and experiences a good life. And can you own this idea? In other words, it's real easy just for schools or parents just to lay down the law and never really get buy-in. I often say classical Christian students in some cases can be the most neglected in the school with regard to this idea of, do you even understand this classical Christian journey that you're on and why these rules are there? So I think if they could own it and even defend Mm -hmm. it, it would even be more significant. Now, to the question about sort of age-appropriate technology, I think that's so, inc- I was going to say, if you guys are not at least teaching typing, I talked to some classical Christian schools, they're like, we don't need to teach that, you know, and even if you teach it by way of it's an online program and you do a lot of the work at home because you don't have a computer lab, that's great. But my goodness, it would be unfortunate uh, for a young person today to not have the ability to type. Granted, probably most of that's going away as people just speak into computers in the future, but that's probably a good idea. I think having some kind of orientation to basic, uh, you know, writing a paper using uh, Microsoft Word or putting a PowerPoint play to d- display, I mean, uh, demonstration together. I mean, these are all fairly basic, uh, just engaging with a technical world as a tool. And I think that's the, you know, it isn't live internet. I think you guys are right on track with that. I think there may be some interesting options I've seen with schools 
like during teaching logic, but you know, not just syllogisms, but beyond that, even using like the Python programming language, which is a way to actually teach logic set, um, but also kind of give them a feel for what programming might look like. Now I would put a big asterisk next to that. And I would say, I would suggest that not because I, I want to say, let's be a STEM school so they can graduate and go get a job programming Python. First of all, whatever you train in programming for the most part is probably going to be changed out, you know, by whatever the next thing is going to be. And that's always been the argument is I'd rather teach you to think and to problem solve than just teach you a, a more narrow set of skills that are probably going to be replaced out. But it wouldn't hurt. I mean, if there's a way, this is the tension is if we're going to do, you know, do we do all 48 great books or we do 43 and pick up some time to maybe balance out with some of these other experiences. So um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think another example, which would be interesting, again, maybe provocative to say it this way is why don't we have occasionally have AI write, write one of our papers. Everybody's gasping right now. What are you talking about? What if they, fine, have AI write the paper and then the, the students are graded on their ability to orally deconstruct that particular article using the rules of logic and rhetoric. Maybe even they write their own paper deconstructing it. But this is, I, I did an interview recently with Josh Murkowski talking about AI, and he said, actually, the classical Christian students are probably going to be the ones that are leading the best AI programming because we're going to be the ones that actually know how to write thoughtful, logic-filled prompts, which will guide the AI tool. So again, we can all you know run, run and find the nearest rock to climb under, or could we maybe... I don't want to say lean into it. We still need to write the papers. We need to know how to articulate, but let's, you know, let's maybe use that as an example of AI might get it wrong sometime. And we're going to be the ones that know how to show where those problems are and the way AI constructed a paper or an idea. So those are just a, a number of random ideas I think you could consider. <laughs> That's really good. You know, it's interesting. Um, we have a friend uh, who's, um, you know, daughter is applying to colleges right now. And, you know, as, as schools are trying to get a sense of who exactly is applying to this place and who's seeking scholarships, because uh, when you write in your essays right now, it's hard to know, is the student actually writing this or is AI writing it? And so they're, you know, they're at the spot of bringing kids onto campus now and having them write timed essays while they're there, just to understand if you're competing for this scholarship, we want to have a sense that uh, we're actually giving it to you and um, to a, a thoughtful right. individual who yeah. knows how to write and not just can ask a prompt to AI. I, I couldn't agree. Well, I mean, I, again, classical Christian education is because we're not the sit and get, you know, take the notes and then give it all back on the test on Friday on the Scantron kind of school. We're not just about information. We're about thoughtful formation. Historically, I mean, you go back to Oxford even today, I mean, you would be sitting in a smaller group setting and it would be a conversation. You're being graded on your ability to articulate the ideas that you've been reading about. That's what we've always done. So there's no, in a sense, AI doesn't threaten that if we're really evaluating the student on their ability to grasp and understand and articulate the ideas. So mm. I think we're, um, you know, definitely some challenges around, but we're in a good position as far as how to prepare students and how to evaluate students. Okay, last one, uh, rapid fire one. Uh, for the teenagers that are listening or to the parents with teenagers and, and their kid has a phone or the teenager has a phone or they're thinking about getting their teenager a phone, what's, what's the one 30-second um, bit of advice to, to those that uh, have the phone or are about to get a phone? Well, I, you know, 
uh, well, I would say for, yeah, wait, again, this hopefully is not a conversation with your fifth <laughs> grader. So if yeah. that is, that's a different conversation. If this is a conversation with your 11th grader, there are a lot of, yeah, um, let's say there's 16 or 17. Yeah. And I think, I think it would be, you know, like everything else we do as parents there ought to be this balance between freedoms and responsibilities. So if, you know, you don't just hand them an unlocked smartphone and say, you know, mm-hmm. you know take it to your bedroom. We'll see you in the morning. I think everything begins in baby steps. So, you know, the phone is never in the bedroom. It stays there in the basket in the kitchen. I think there's probably some agreements and lots of conversations about, you know, what apps are on the phone and, you know, for mm-hmm. sure, <laughs> Snapchats or t- TikToks or all these things. And I think there's got to be some agreement in terms of, you know, how that technology is going to be used. And when students, our children begin to show more maturity and ability to choose wisely, then they get more responsibility. The problem is if you don't do any of that and they head off to college, like Mm -hmm. so many other things, you've probably not served them well. I would say if you're going to deploy the the troop, you know, the soldier off to Afghanistan, you might want to practice a little bit, fire a few bullets before you head off that way. So I do think there needs to be some sober conversation about it. And again, not to, it shouldn't just be the book of law thrown at them and here's all the horrible things, but like, let's really get them to own the good life. And hopefully if you've raised them well, and for, you know, 16 years of their life, they've played outside occasionally and, you know, had rich conversations, then the phone's not such a, it's not so tempting. Perhaps it's a little bit more of like, yeah, I get it. I mean, it's like, it's like, you know, think of it in terms of food. If your kid was raised on healthy food and you put a bowl of Fruit Loops in front of them, they might want to dabble in the Fruit Loops, but they probably aren't going to gouge themselves in the Fruit Loops because they're so used to eating healthy food. It's just not as appetizing. And that's really, I think the best thing you can do is to form healthy technology appetites or, you know, balance out what, what that looks like, but have good conversations. And I mean, the secret ultimately to all of this is be in relationship with your children. And I think high school, there tends to be maybe a thinking on the part of some that, well, you know, I need to give them a lot of freedom, quote, freedom to fail. I'm like, well, that's maybe not the best way to phrase that. Or let's, I get it. We want to be walking next to them, but if we're walking next to them and we're, you know, you know, dads, you should be dating your daughters, your high school daughters, take them out to breakfast, you know, take your sons out, right. you know, for activities. I mean, we ought to be in deep relationship. I think my wife and I talked to all three of our kids still almost every day, which is almost mm-hmm. unimaginable. I don't say that proudly, but just, we're all close. We've just built a normative yep. relationship. So therefore it's not so likely they're going to drift off into you know, into trouble um, and the dark side of the web because they had good, healthy relationships around them. So I just think you got to be absolutely eyes wide open and you absolutely do not want to do this without having some preemptive plan in place. So, yeah, well, thanks for that. But, you know, the the good thing is also the hard thing in that is, is I'm essentially hearing you say, um, be really thoughtful and be really intentional um, with these things. And, you know, in some sense, well, great, that's it. And then another sense, no, that's the hardest work about this is, um, to have planned about it beforehand with how we're going to handle this with our children. And then, um, to be intentional all the way through of, um, engaging in continued relationship and, um, how much time are we going to give that to the, to the phones and to the devices? Well, and I think again, my, I mean, statistically, we we the parents are having as much of a problem as any our children, and I think it might be a mm-hmm. you know you were asking earlier about how do what do you do if you cross the Rubicon and you've already it's already there and you know everybody's on it. Well, maybe mm-hmm. it, it begins just as a parent saying, "Hey, I, let's let's just sit down and we'll talk about this because I'm as I the yeah. parent 
have sort of made some personal discoveries and have some awarenesses of what I'm not pleased with in my life. And I'm going to sort of take back my life. And so I'm going to start modeling this, you know, starting at when I walk in from work, the phone is off and I'm going to be present here with you guys. And I mean, I think that's how it really starts and that's what it should always be. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's just required these days, especially for so many people that, you know, are work, there's no longer boundaries. I mean, it used to be you get in the car and you leave your office and you come home and barring an emergency and the phone rang now it's you're constantly at work and you can always justify oh i've got to check this email well maybe then go in the back room and do it but don't do it right there in front of everybody so yeah always tethered well davies you said it i think we could probably talk for a few more hours here um (laughs) i'm very thankful for you um there's there's we've only scratched the surface on this but um i love the work that you're doing at Basecamp Live, thankful for you. And and again, uh, for all the you Griffins out there listening, um, if you want to hear more from from Davies and and he, by the way, his podcast isn't just this topic. It's it's a whole slew of cultural uh, things and classical Christian education things and, and then technology to boot. But um, it's worthwhile. It's been a great benefit to me. So um, I think Davies, wherever you can, wherever you get your podcasts, you can search Basecamp Live. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah. Or just if all sales, just go to the old website, basecamplive.com and you can get uh get signed up and connected there. But and you can listen there too if you if you don't happen to have podcast a podcasting app, but that's less and less the reality these days as most people are listening to podcasts. But David, thanks so much for your uh invitation, this conversation. I appreciate all the hard work you guys are doing there. Yeah, yeah. So thankful for you, brother. You right, as well. Yeah. All right. Thanks, brother. You're most welcome. Thank you for listening to The Griffin Rundown. As always, it is a pleasure to partner with you to cultivate our children to be lifelong learners who think and live for Christ. We'll be back again next Tuesday.